This month's Where Did the Road Go is brought to you by eight amazing people. Greg Ross, Illuminati, Allison Cook, Super Inframan, 36 Dingo, Michael Fritschke, Dr. O in Teberg, and Doug Malam. Thank you all so very much for helping make this show possible. Transmission start. Welcome to Where Did the Road Go? Join us as we wander off the path and explore lost history, consciousness, the paranormal, unexplained mysteries, alternative thought, and much more. We are present on the web at wheredidtheroadgo.com. Now here is your host, Soraya. Welcome to this edition of Where Did the Road Go? And tonight I have with me Christopher Ernst. Hey, everybody. And returning, uh, Tilly Treadwell. Hello, everyone. Merry morning or magical midnight. Thank you for joining us. Um, since you've been on, Tilly, you've started your own YouTube uh, channel. Yep, I absolutely did. Thank you. <laughs> and wh- what is that? Wh- what is it about? Sure. My show is called The Weird Walk Home, and it is, you could think of it as a mashup between Coast to Coast AM and uh, The Y Files, which is a show on YouTube. Essentially, I wanted to create a show that was fun and often friendly or spooky, depending on the occasion, and that spoke about paranormal and quantum activity as well as philosophy and um, displaying some of my own artistic talent, hopefully, that people will enjoy, and uh, tie that all up with a nice little bow, hopefully, of positive encouragement somewhere along the way. (laughs) All right. Uh, I have not checked it out because I only found out about it the other day. (laughs) Right. I should have told you sooner. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um so the uh I, I, I like that what what's the title of it? The Weird Walk Home. Yeah, and ours is <laughs> where where did the road go? Yes, I noticed that <laughs> when I was naming it, I thought about that and I was like, Oh, that's a really nice coincidence. I like that. <laughs> um I, I also like that uh since my, my show this show is actually on radio first, um and then it leads right into my music show, which is called The Last Exit for the Lost. Oh, so it has that nice balance of, you know, where did the road go? Well, it went to the last exit for the lost. Yes. <laughs> I like that. That's actually really harmonious. <laughs> so the last time you were on, I want to talk a little bit about the Mandela effect, but um, the last time you were on, one of the things people kept criticizing about your show is that the Roman numeral four has never been labeled as four eyes. <laughs> like people were just adamant about this. And the first thing that I came know. to the first thing that came to mind to me is that Fields of the Nephilim actually have a song called Psychonaut, for which they have four versions, and they're labeled Liber, mm-hmm. Liber one, two, three, and four, and the four is labeled with four capital I's. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I I did a just a tiniest bit of googling, and uh-huh. it turns out that that is actually a very common thing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Prior to like the 1700s. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it says the notation with four eyes was used uh, for the clock in the earliest Wells Cathedral, which was built at the end of the 14th century, has been, con- yeah. has been conventional since then. Someone thought mm-hmm. IV was not easily understood because it resembled VI and was also well-balanced with VIII, 
which was placed in the symmetrical position. In the, in the Middle Ages in Europe, f- the four eyes was generally used, not IV, to express the Roman numeral four mm-hmm. until around the 17th century. So for all those yep. people who were attacking you and saying <laughs> it has never been four eyes, it actually has been four eyes and still sometimes is. There's a bunch of clocks uh-huh. on this page with yeah. four, four eyes for a Roman numeral four. Yeah, for you, and thank you very much for uh, for bringing that up and sticking up for me a little bit. Because oh boy, those YouTube comments had me sweating. <laughs> I <laughs> I I checked them because I wanted to make sure, of course, that I'm making everyone as happy as I can with my storytelling and all of that good stuff. And I got roasted to Hades and back for my voice, <laughs> which I can't I can't control, and for the whole Mandela effect mm-hmm. thing. And I had written a paragraph from my official account saying, hey, you guys, I appreciate your feedback. Thank you for all of your time. And I'm very sorry for my voice. I'll look into (laughs) moderating that a little bit. And I will also look into this because maybe I am crazy and maybe I am mistaken. And, you know, but then someone had said that um, having me on was a drop in quality for your show. I was like, you know what? I'm not sure I'm fit for the YouTube comment section. (laughs) (laughs) They're, they're usually pretty pretty bad. It, yeah, it, it, it kind of depends. Uh, but like yeah. I like I said, I mean, it doesn't. It no longer shows you likes and dislikes on the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the show was at like ninety percent, seven percent likes. Cool. So it was you know a few people that clearly needed to say something, mm-hmm. and a lot of them were about the Mandela effect things and things like, mm-hmm. well, it was never a Roman numeral four. Uh, with four eyes, and they're wrong. That actually comes from the the uh, watchmaker Seiko uh, or whatever S C I K O. Yeah, Seiko. Seiko, yeah. Seiko, yeah. or Seiko, yes. So yeah, there there were four eyes at one point, but more to the point, I think that people were missing what you were trying to explain. Yes, in that exactly. In that the Mandela effect, in some cases, may be a very personal experience, not something uh-huh. completely widespread. And maybe, yes. it's, mm-hmm. maybe it's not quite the same thing as the Mandela effect, but it's the same effect. It's just exactly. you, one person or a couple people are noticing and other people aren't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree entirely. And that, that goes back, actually, to my days of being a professional paranormal counselor. I would have to often talk with clients about what is subjective opinion, what is subjective experience, and then what is actually objective and provable, and how in different timelines, what is quote-unquote real switches. And some of the clients that I would work with, they could not make the leap to understand that quantum reality changes and therefore, what is real one second may not be the next, and that it can flip-flop, and that it doesn't make you crazy or wrong or anything. It's just a matter of understanding and respecting those changes and not being harsh towards other people when you think that they are wrong, right. because you very well could be wrong. And that honestly goes over, I think, most people's heads until they truly experience being on the hot end of that iron themselves, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The, the, um, and the thing is we're working with a, a, you know, our brains, which are not, uh, video recorders. They're not, they're not recording everything. They're not even telling us everything. They're interpreting a lot of it. So memories are not particularly reliable. This is true in many cases. Um, there was a whole thing, uh, I think it broke out on Facebook talking about the Mandela effect and the one that bothered, 
Uh, one guy was uh, C-3PO's leg being silver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, if you, you know, like even Anthony Daniels, who played C-3PO, is like, oh, no, it was silver. I never remembered it being silver. I never noticed it mm-hmm. being silver. And apparently on the mm-hmm. action figure, it's not silver. Right. So it's kind of like, right. was it was was this something that people missed? Like the, the explanation for it is like, well, you know, movies weren't as, in, in as high quality then. And, you know, you probably saw it in the theater once or twice, but then you only had, you know, a crappy mm-hmm. television to watch it on. You probably just didn't notice it. Maybe that's the case. <laughs> but right. And maybe the there's just too. Maybe there's just something there that, you know, isn't right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also think that, that <laughs> one thing that I have begun to sort of use as a way to conceptualize what people would call the Mandela effect or, you know, um, I guess something that isn't misremembering, something that really is, uh, uh, you know, there's some, you know, fundamental change. And I, I, I've been thinking of it in terms of retconning actually. I brought that up last show. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Okay. All right. Then maybe Uh I got that from you, but uh, (laughs) maybe that was, it was an earworm that I didn't realize was uh, subliminal in there, but that's like, that's how I've, you know, I think more often than not think about it because it seems to me that, you know, if we're going to take, you know, these sort of Eric Wargo time loops models, of time and you know perhaps at the uh subtle level of you know uh, the creation you know the non-physical level that time doesn't exist in the same way so there really could be you know you put that on top of the you know we're we are make creating our own reality you know through imagination you know our imagination uh in many ways you know if you want to go along with that is creating reality then it could, you know, be retconning, which if people aren't familiar, is a comic book term, which essentially mm-hmm. means, you know, uh, you that that you go back and you say, oh, that isn't how reality was. It really was this. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but we're doing it ourselves. So when you have maybe the entire, you know, the the Star Wars egregore, uh, uh, <laughs> the Star Wars zeitgeist, whatever <laughs> it is that is the Star Wars, like, you know, uh, um, consciousness that enough people believe that it, 3PO's legs are a certain thing, then, you know, they change. And, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. But, yeah. And two, I've been hearing that term retconning in more scientific circles lately. And in fact, when I was preparing to start my own show, one of my own friends and teachers had taught me about the the scientific application of the term retcon and retconning and explained that it's it has actually transitioned from just a a pop culture kind of meme idea into a far more serious quantum scientific idea even if there's not yet a scientific word for it so mm. retconning is right now the quote unquote most scientific <laughs> term for it right now that we have and so i'm using that but i'd like to find something that more people take more seriously right um if if possible but Mm -hmm. i completely agree with everything that you said chris and i think that it's a it's a brilliant deduction on your part if if you look at the seth material too seth talks about how you alter your past as well as your future um Mm. yeah and that time 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 is not this static thing where the past is in the past it's you know 
but that that gets a lot deeper because that goes into also you learn from past lives that are happening simultaneously and multiple you know dimensions of personality and stuff like that right. but yeah mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. idea is still there I, go ahead i'm so sorry please go ahead no, I, was I didn't done. mean to interrupt you i was done go ahead uh, okay uh, I wanted to say that I, I do fully believe in affecting the past as well, because I've had some of my own experiences seemingly with that, especially physically on my body. So I, I do believe that that is very mm-hmm. much a real thing, honestly. Yeah. Do you want to go into any more detail on that? <laughs> uh, sh- sure. Okay. So I have one example that I'm okay with sharing. Okay. I I was in a bad car accident when I was a teenager and I was left with a massive scar on one area of my body. And I noticed over the past few years that as I've done a bunch of healing and work within myself and changed massive things about my, uh, you could say my spiritual life that now I I don't have the the huge scar anymore. It just disappeared overnight. Yeah. Yep. And I felt crazy. I felt insane when I first made that discovery. But then, um, as I said, I, I've been a paranormal counselor, and that gets into quantum counseling as well. And so I basically sat myself down as my own client and worked <laughs> through it. So... <laughs> Well, I, I think too that you know that that scar is a uh, how can I explain this? Uh, it's not something that you can't control to some degree. Mm-hmm. Like like this is true. like a lot of physical ailments are internal. They're they mm-hmm. they come from things we're not dealing with that build up and then cause issues. Now it's one thing if you break your arm. Mm-hmm. You know, or get into a car accident, but the scar itself. I mean, like I don't scar, I don't bruise. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very weird. Uh, that must be nice. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I'd look like a tic-tac-toe board if I scarred, yeah. <laughs> um, the number of stupid things that have happened to me, but, Aww. um, it's, it's, you know, I think it's, it's because I deal with the stuff. So it doesn't mm-hmm. linger. It also could be the Kundalini too. That's also a possibility. This is true. I tend to be very low on energy and so when i get injured i i feel like compared to most people i do tend to carry wounds physically mm. really really visibly which is why this was so very strange for me yeah I, I, the reason why i say kundalini you know for you soraya mm-hmm. too is that in doing the research that i've done on some of these um uh these yogis in in um uh southeast asia and india and you know some of the people that uh i've, I've talked to when I was there, um, and in particular, just so that uh, uh, you're aware, Tilly, this is, has to do with uh, kind of like this lineage of a, a, a weird cross between Sufi um, uh, mysticism and like Vedantic Hindu mysticism that um, oh, okay. I, I was kind of I kind of grew up with. And there within that, there are a lot of these people who are <laughs> called musts uh, that are uh, essentially um, they're god mad is what the term is uh in, mm-hmm. in india but it means somebody that uh who their their consciousness is uh, is in a different plane of existence and their body is they for all intents and purposes seem like you know homeless or um you know people of mental illness and you know are mm-hmm. homeless on the street uh, as mm-hmm. many people are in in india but they actually a lot of these people 
you know, they're surviving, you know, they're not eating anything. They're, uh, you know, in this incredible cold or they'll get injured and the injuries will uh, miraculously heal overnight. And, you know, hmm. this was explained to me that this is all because of the Kundalini that, you know, the, the prawn is is essentially feeding them, you know, hmm. that, that they're being fed by that. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a Wolverine healing factor is what it is. So <laughs> I, I was I thinking that, you know, that, if yeah. you have something going on with Kundalini, like, you know, Soraya does in whatever way or form it's manifesting that that might be one of the th ways in which it manifests is that you don't bruise or you know you don't you know you heal mm -hmm. easy you know better easily or something like that i don't know it's the first thing that popped to mind i mean the, i think it sounds reasonable I, I i realized on one of the most more recent shows i've done might have been the one with saxon uh that you have not heard yet well people out there may have heard it but you, neither of you would have heard it because it hasn't been posted yet um, I don't think, I think the last time I had any serious bruising is when I had that experience where I was beat up on what seemed to be an out of body experience. Oh yeah, that's right. And that after happened. that, I don't think I bruised again until, until I got the second, uh, COVID vaccine shot, Yeah, mm. which was, which is why that freaked me out so much is that like, I got yeah. that, I had a bad feeling about mm. getting the second shot and then. I bruised and I bruised in a place that there shouldn't have been a bruise. And I was like, what is happening right now? Oh, wow. I mean, I sprained my <laughs> ankle about a year and a half ago and it never bruised. Yeah. It barely that swelled. That story though about the, the, with, with your, you know, your guardian angel and that attack though, that, I mean, it makes sense. You want to tell that if people haven't, you know. Yeah, I, I should really because be people that. keep asking where the name comes from. Yeah, and mm. I've talked about it plenty, but I don't think I've talked about it in a long time. And I also don't remember the, the exact order everything happened in. So that that happened where I had, I think I had woken up one day, or maybe maybe I was just asleep and became very very lucid and realized I was I felt out of body, mm. and I ended up uh, at this Potter's Field we used to hang out at, and suddenly I was surrounded by these hooded figures that were just sitting on the ground creating a circle and there was this black shape and it was huge and it was just like a shadow like lack of lack of any light whatsoever and suddenly it would run into me and slam me into the ground like it was like being hit by a truck and it hurt mm. um and i would get back up and it would do it again and i had a, a a spirit guide at the time who then started telling me stay down or you're gonna die oh wow and i kept getting up i was like no screw that i can get up Mm -hmm. Um, and I would get up and it would, every time it hit me, it hit me harder. And so at some point she pulled me out of it and I jolted back into my body, like literally like lifted off my bed, jolted back into my body and had a little bit of bruising on my arms and chest from where this thing kept hitting me. Oh, and that didn't show up right away. It took like a day mm -hmm. and then I had, but I was sore as hell. And I noticed in a letter I had written someone, I said, I spit up some blood which I didn't record in my notes, but I wouldn't have said it if it wasn't true. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So mm -hmm. I wasn't coughing up blood. I specifically said I spit up some blood, which means I probably bit my tongue or my lip or something mm -hmm. in the process of the whole thing. Um, but that was one of the big events that then what followed was a Kundalini awakening that made me feel like I was dying. Like, oh. And I was just like, what is happening right now? Like, I, I like something was horribly, horribly wrong. And at the end, end of it i didn't know what kundalini was at this point mm -hmm. uh at the end of the experience all this stuff just like it was like a, a sudden understanding of all this stuff that happened in my life 
And I just started writing page after page of, oh, this is what this is. This was what that was. That's why this happened. This was, And I'm like, what is going on? And I think a couple of days later, we had gone to see the Scorpions. And I was sitting in the back, uh, back seat of my friend's car. And as we're driving along, like my friend is asleep next to me. Uh, my other friend is driving. His sister's asleep in front of me. So there's two girls in the car. And this woman's voice very loudly says, Soraya, through my ear that is against the wind, you know, facing the window. And it rattled me. And the two girls in the car, like I said, were asleep. There was no noise in the car. And I said to the, my friend driving, I'm like, did you hear that? Ooh. And he's like, hear what? And I'm like, never mind. Because it, it was loud. There was no, you know, if it was outside my head, there's no way he wouldn't have heard it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I knew immediately that that was supposed to be my name. And I said, I'm not sure. using that. That's, I'm not, nope, not going to use that. And over time, I slowly started going, well, you know, maybe I'll use it as like a pen name. <laughs> and so I started using it a little bit. And as soon as I did, everything just opened up to me mm -hmm. and put me yeah. on the path I'm on now. Yeah. I find that that tends to be how it works. You make that, that one change and then all of a sudden... Your whole world has changed. It was almost like I was acknowledging who I was. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the things I realized. Yeah. Huh? Oh, I was just saying yes, acknowledging oh. who you are. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, the, what was I going to say? Oh, that was one of the things I realized in all the stuff I wrote down was that I had been fighting who I was for a long time. Right. You know, because there was this model put in my head of who I was supposed mm -hmm. to be, and there was mm -hmm. the person that I really was, and it was like, okay, I, I need to start questioning these things more. I need to understand that that I shouldn't be fighting myself because that's that's not helping me. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like you were being called to remove a lot of that maybe amnesia veil so that you could actually be fully yourself and bring in more of your soul essence here. And I think that that's a beautiful thing if that's the case. Yeah. I mean, someone had asked me about the name the other day and I said, I, I usually just say, yeah, I came after a bunch of weird paranormal experiences because it's, it's a yeah. lot, you know? And she just went, well, you know, were they good or bad experiences? And I'm like, I don't think that really qualifies. <laughs> oh, you know yeah. they, they 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 were they were bad at the time but they were good yeah. in retrospect mm -hmm. yeah yep i agree and i still to this day don't really know if i was supposed to stay down or not hmm. <laughs> maybe maybe there was no wrong choice maybe it was maybe. just you were choosing the next adventure that you were gonna have Let, let's yeah. see let's see how stubborn and stupid he really is now he keeps getting oh, yeah. up all right <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> Uh, we, I included that in the movie we put out, Gateways to Magonia, uh, where, where the, the guy who's my friend Joe, who's who's the main character, is has the same thing happening to him, except I'm the one beating him up in that. Nice. And his friend appears to him and goes, you just need to stay down. And he's like, F you, I'm not staying down. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the human spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've always had that, that, that sort of defiance in me. Like if, if mm. I would always, I would tell my parents, you know, uh, they would, they would tell me to do something. I'm like, you know, if you ask me to help you, I would have no problem with it. But when uh -huh. you tell me to, I just have this instinctual, like, no, no, because you're ordering me mm -hmm. to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I do the same yeah. thing. Same here. And of course my parents being my parents were like, we're your parents. We'll tell you what to do. And it's like, okay. Yeah. I just, I don't like tyranny at all. I, I personally am all about harmony and 
I listen very carefully to how people think about me, how they treat me, how they speak to me. And one of the biggest turnoffs that I have is if someone gives me orders instead of asking to, I mean, like if it's an emergency, perfectly fine. They're saving my life or whatever. Sure. That's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, but other than that, I really try my best not to deal with people who break their promises, who, um, especially just give orders or are super hypocritical and have an arrogant attitude. So giving Mm -hmm. orders is always a massive red flag for me. And I empathize with you. I really do. I'm trying to remember the Babylon five line. It was something like, I don't take orders, but I'll consider requests. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, more often than not, I'm the type of person who doesn't tell people no, unless I really have Mm -hmm. to. So it's like, oh yeah, that's fine. I'll do that. You know, as long as you're not like, you have to do this. Um, Mm. I remember at, uh, I had worked at Best Buy at one point. And, uh, they made some rule about how often people could take smoke breaks or whatever. And I was like, and I don't smoke. I've never smoked. I hate smoking. Mm-hmm. So I, but at the same time, I was irritated that they were adding more rules. Mm-hmm. It's like, do we really just need to keep adding rules? Like what, what what's <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. So smokers get to take breaks when non-smokers don't, but, and you want to limit yeah. that. Sure. But do we need more rules? Can we just like maybe tell people, hey, don't take as many breaks? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I would always go out with, even after I stopped smoking, I would still go out with the smokers just because I like the, uh, that like camaraderie. Right. Yes. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's, I think most people respond better to being, uh, or at least they're less resentful if they're being asked to do something versus being told to do something. Sure. Maybe. I don't know though, because I run into a lot of people who have said that I'm being way too sensitive about being given orders and about uh, listening to people's literal language because giving orders is just how it's done here. I've been told time and time and time again. So I don't know. It doesn't seem to bother a lot of people, at least that I've run into. Well, I think with anything, it, you need that balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you, you know, like you have people in the military who will come out after the fact and say, you know, I didn't want to do this horrible thing, but I was just following orders. At the mm-hmm. same time, if you're running a military, you need your, your soldiers to follow orders because they probably don't have the full picture. Right. So there's a balance right. yeah. there that you have to reach. And some people like being told what to do because it's easy. That is true. Right. I just, I don't support militaries or anything, to be honest, in theory, I I should say. Okay. Yeah. Like in theory, I don't support it, but I understand that this is a human world with human temperaments and human problems. (laughs) So my way of doing things, it it, it does not fly. So I just try to stay out of it. We're we're still full of tribal warfare, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 And it seems to me like that's just part of human nature. So I don't know. I hope that one day it it can change a little bit. I hope. (sighs) Uh, yeah, I th- I do think, I mean, I am not one that believes that, uh, like some people do that, you know, we're, we're just animals. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I can, I think this is true of any, any creature. I think any creature has the, uh, any consciousness and I mean, you know, any consciousness has the ability to sort of transcend. And if you were to really ask me what I think maybe is going on, I think, you know, mm-hmm. that might be part of the goal is to, you know, reach some sort of apotheosis and that, you know, 
uh, uh, growing uh, as a consciousness as part of that. Mm -hmm. So I do think that there can be a movement away from what people call human human nature because i don't think it mm-hmm. necessarily i don't know for me at least i don't think that it's uh i think that there are perhaps more than one there's more than one nature within a consciousness yeah. and that mm-hmm. uh you know you can move away from the animalistic the rage you know the 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 i guess the uh the id uh if you were mm-hmm. to use a freudian term um mm-hmm. yeah for me at least I, or maybe that's the I, way i like to think Well, I actually agree with you, believe it or not. I make a distinction between what is the very base human nature that to me is the chimp-like, warlike nature. And then I also see that there is, at least for some people in some timelines, uh, development of free will or the distinct potential for that, again, just depending on the timelines. And I think that we've all been NPCs at some point because... (laughs) I believe that every possibility that could exist does exist. And I think that our soul fragments only, so the consciousness, our soul consciousness only pops mm-hmm. in one at a time. That's just my mm-hmm. theory. And I think that's mm-hmm. where we get the NPCs and then the, the potential for free will. And so my goal is just to continue trying to offer my understanding and my encouragement in hopes that more people can develop that free will and move away from that tribal nature and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I hope that I hope that ramble made sense. <laughs> yes. No. I think it. I think it did. What do you it, tell? Explain to me. Uh, and this is because I'm old and I'm probably dumb and knowing exactly which. I mean, I know what an NPC oh, is. It. Non-player I, character. I'm, just, I'm being silly. <laughs> oh. I know what an NPC okay. is, but in, when you use that term, do you mean sort of like mindless, like you know, just kind of going along with whatever is being fed to them, not thinking for yourself type thing or. Yes. And, or that they have no ability in that moment, in that timeline, in that particular version of their lifetime to make their own free will choice. So for example, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) Thanksgiving is coming up. Let's say that you two each go over to your own respective family's houses and Let's say that you have that aunt or that uncle or that cousin who just insists on starting stuff politically or medically, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm. And no matter how you engage with them and right. prove them that maybe they're they're wrong or you show that you, they assert some kind of opinion as fact and you show them that they're wrong via Google or something, they literally cannot accept it. That's an example mm-hmm. of an NPC. Mm-hmm. They will fight you to the bitter end, even though you have proof. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that, I, that, I, I, yep. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, I completely <laughs> understand what you mean by that. Yes. I, I, oh. I cool. think I think part of the problem is people don't always understand what proof is. That yeah. that is true, and that can be part of opinion as well. And yeah. this is why I say it's, in my opinion, really important to take into account that quantum timelines may be shifting at any given moment, and just to accept proof, uh, what it is for where it is, and when it is, and why it is. So uh, just because I pull up a Google page right now and show you. 
that two plus two equals four. Maybe in another timeline, it doesn't. I don't know. Sure. I'm just showing you what it is right now, allegedly. So, so the Seth view of all that was that yes, all the you know, there's there's all these different timelines and stuff, but there's a primary timeline for you, and yeah. it may not be the same primary timeline for someone else. In that timeline, Correct. it might be a, a secondary timeline where they're not really focused on that timeline. I agree with that, actually. That's very much what I have intuited, been told by my own guides, and seem to have experienced for myself when I've done my own scrying and whatnot for clients in the past. So I agree with that. So How, how do you do scrying? Well, um, this is where it gets a, a little tricky. I need to know, have you boys ever heard of the Cozy Rev mirror? No. Okay. Um, I'll try my so. best to ex- Okay. I'll try my best to explain it quickly. The Cozy Rev mirror is a type of mirrored chamber device. Um, it was designed by a Dr. Cozy Rev, I believe. And he was a Russian scientist. Oh, I need to watch that Y Files episode again. But anyways. <laughs> I I realized that essentially in my mind, I am recreating the Cozy Rev type of experience and going through that um, mirror in a type of way that is very much like mirror or water scrying, except it's in my mind's eye. Okay. And then I pop pop out from there and find whatever I I need, talk to whoever I need to talk to, contact whoever's wanting to to talk to me, like the fairies, the forest uh, guardians, the djinn, and so-called, I don't know, just lots and lots of different people. So I do all of my work that way, and I've always had this ability or habit. I don't really quite know. It's I've just had it since, I think, toddlerhood. So Mm. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. (laughs) That does make sense. I'm looking at a picture of it now. It's really interesting. It's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's like a spiral. Um, and mm-hmm. it's okay. This is more recent. This is uh, yeah. Because I was wondering if it was anything like a psychomantium. Uh, but this is very different. This is very interesting. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I do internally. And the thing is, too, yeah. I if I in how I want, how I wish to help people here who wish to have my help. One day, I would like to work with a group of people who have no psychic abilities and um, essentially build a cozy rev mirror and teach them how to use it from my understanding. And then I have a protocol for weaning them off of that mirror and learning how to do the scrying as I do it. So they're Mm. taking the mirror and putting it into their own mind's eye, transferring the mirror to a trigger object, and then transferring that trigger object to the mind's eye. And then that way people would be able much better, I would hope, to um, to be able to help themselves and to help others and find a greater depth of creativity and curiosity, open-mindedness, and encouragement to build their own personal um, heavens on earth. So that's my understanding of all of this. Wait, I'm totally rambling. Rambling. My no, apologies. No, you're not. no that, that was good. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever used a scrying device. I just I've always used mm-hmm. meditation and mm-hmm. yeah. focus it on something, and then I would either get information or I wouldn't. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. One of yeah. One, yeah. Ren one, would be the one to talk to. He's been he's he's built a. Pretty uh, Ren, one of the another frequent uh, guest uh, co-host here, is uh, 
he has a pretty great, I mean, he has a psychomantium, but he's also got, you know, uh, gosh, what were some of the, I mean, any, he's really been doing a bunch of scrying stuff and he's posted some stuff to the private Slack where he's showing all his mirrors and things like yeah, that. The but there's something else that he stuff. built recently that I'm forgetting what he is. He, it is. Yeah. It's very cool. So, so I, well, I would love to hook up with him sometime. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's not on a lot because he's usually very busy, but, uh, yeah. The um he he kind of inspired me with the black mirror thing where I'm like okay I want to make a black mirror just because it looks cool if nothing else right <laughs> yeah and then I realized that in the the scary barn I have in my property and we call it the scary barn because it just looks like a face <laughs> and it's an old barn it looks like oh. the to- it looks like the top of the Amityville house is what it looks like. <gasps> Oh my! Wait, did you post a fix a picture of that on Facebook recently? No, that's the non-scary barn, but that's the barn all the weird stuff okay. happens in. Um, oh, okay. So uh, the the scary barn, though, I, I went over and I looked in one of the things and realized there's like I don't know thirty windows in there that came off of like old barns and stuff. And I was like, what if we fixed this barn up and literally lined right. it with black mirrors? Right. Okay. I'm like, huh. that could be a, that, that, that could make the scary barn scary. Yeah, it absolutely could. I mean, it sounds like it's holding a bunch of energy already to me. That barn, not so much, but the other one, man, the stuff that like, there's been so many times where I've said, I wish I had this. And I walked into that barn and then I found it there. I went, okay, I didn't, I didn't know I owned this. Okay. Oh, gotcha. I think I'm mixing up the two barns. I'm sorry. Yeah. That, <laughs> so that's, that's the one I posted the picture of. That's the big barn. Okay. Uh, the, the scary barn is a little barn. And that's the thing. It's not in as bad a shape, so it wouldn't be that hard to fix. And there's so many windows right there. Because I'm like, what am I going to do with all these windows? Like, I see people yeah. around here putting them at the side of the road and stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, they're not really worth anything per se. Spray paint the back of them and hang them all up. Yeah. And just line the yeah, entire building with them. That'd be cool. I, That's I, the barn where you can still go, like, uh, it, the upstairs. Like, yeah. the stairs yep. are still okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, right. and, you and I did the video from there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just, other than getting three knocks from it after doing a ritual, nothing has ever mm-hmm. happened there that's weird. It just has a creepy vibe to it. Yeah. Huh. Okay. But, well, I want I want a magical wishing barn, though, as far <laughs> as the other one goes. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but th- it was always like, like at one point I said, oh, man, I really wish I had a power washer. And then I walked and went in there to get something and I turned and went, what is that thing on the floor? I'm like, oh, it's a power washer, but it didn't work. Oh, well, it, could it have been repaired easily and cheaply or? No, no. I think it was uh, just old and pr- it probably got tossed in there because it didn't work. But it's just the fact that I didn't <laughs> specify I needed, I didn't ask for a working power washer. I just said I need a power washer. Exactly. Exactly. It was a wink from the universe. <laughs> it's like, here you go. Power washer. It's like, okay, but it yep. doesn't work. <laughs> Be more specific next time, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I wonder what it is, though, about barns. They, I've come across a lot of information about barns being creepy or haunted or enchanted. I always want to know, what is it exactly about them? What do you boys think? I don't know. I think it depends on the barn. Mm-hmm. Some some barns, especially ones that are in use, yeah. just they're just barns. But it's the ones that yeah. are old and slightly in disrepair that just, I think, give that creepy vibe. Yeah, I think so. And it's maybe, you know, there's a, maybe, I don't know why there would be a fear of uh, uh, wildlife or animals in there, but maybe for some people there is. 
I don't oh, certainly. know. Certainly not for people that grow up on a farm. Um, no. Maybe it's something about it being like, uh, you know, not. Yeah, when it's in disrepair, there's something ruinous about it. it you know, it doesn't. It's like Uncanny Valley, maybe it's somewhere mm. between a ruin and a, a actual building. Yeah. Or maybe it's just a, like a cultural thing that we've been told be scared of barns, and there's so many. <laughs> Things written about them. Yeah, so many horror movies that take place yeah. in that that abandoned yeah. farm with that creepy barn and yeah. mm-hmm. abandoned places in general. Though I think hold <clears throat> a level of creepiness for people, right? Yeah. Hence the whole uh, what, yeah. what, what what is the the thing that everyone's into now? The uh, abandoned mall type view. Uh, yep. What is oh, yeah. Exploring. Yeah, urban. No, not that. Well, there's that, but there's also there. There's a specific type of fiction. Oh, oh, oh I'm not aware. Know. What back rooms? Oh, back rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back oh, yeah, rooms. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, that started as a. I don't even know if I would call it what a meme that shows my disconnect, but it's you know it was a a yeah a phenomena that came out of like a creepy pasta type thing. I think. yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. originally. Yeah, but it, it it gives you that again that sort of like. Something should be going on here, but it isn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, I always, I always liked being like, like I worked at a record store in the mall, you know, and sometimes we'd end up closing late after the mall was closed. I always loved that feeling. Like I like being Aww. in places where you know normally they're busy, but now they're abandoned. Like driving highways in the middle of the mm-hmm. night, yeah. and there's no cars. It's like I love that I love feeling. That. I do too. Yeah, same here. My husband calls me a creeper for that, but he's just a stick in the mud. No, he's just a stick in the barn. <laughs> the, the um, yeah, I don't know. There's the one of the reasons I like the night. Um, aside from mm-hmm. the fact that you know I can get stuff done with with less interruptions usually, uh, <laughs> is. Is there something I don't know? There's something about being awake when most people are asleep mm-hmm. that I like. Well, I agree. It feels sacred and magical to me. Yeah. It's also, I mean, if you think about it, you know, if you have any, uh, if any part of you believes, you know, in any aspect of the, you know, oversoul or collective mind or Akashic record of or whatever you want to call it, then there is something to be said when you have, you have a lot of consciousness, consciousnesses that are not, you know, in the normal state of being awake in the physical world you're kind of more alone in that psychically, you know, if you're on the side of the world that is, you know, that has nighttime. Um, Mm -hmm. I've, I've I've thought about that a lot for myself. Like why I feel more comfortable is because, you know, uh, half of the world that I'm on the hemisphere with is, uh, sleep. Yeah. If, if I can, um, (laughs) maybe this is going to sound super weird. Um, I consider myself an energetic empath. And I believe that there are some very real biological markers of that and sensitivities of of that ramifications. And I have always contended that the nighttime feels extremely different to me. So the sunless atmosphere feels incredibly soothing and peaceful and cleaner to me personally but then also uh psychologically you could say psychically i definitely do feel that huge difference of peace when everyone else for the most part is asleep and it does feel like an extreme and distinct difference to me and it it always has yeah yeah interesting yeah 
I've I've also always liked the movies like uh, what's the one that sticks out? Night of the Comet, I think was was one. Yeah, where everyone is gone. It's an old one. It's probably mid eighties or so. Um, but everyone's gone and there's just a few people surviving, you know, those type of type of movies where all this stuff is abandoned, uh, or, oh, what is the one I, there's one of my favorite movies and I can never remember the name, name of it. It's about this group of, it it takes place in the, again, in the eighties, it's a bunch of people, no, uh, it's a bunch of people in a diner and in the middle of the night and they get a call from someone stationed at a missile silo who thinks he's calling his mom and tells them that we're about to have a nuclear tells her we're about to have a nuclear war and he wants to you know say goodbye to her but he accidentally oh. calls this this payphone in this diner and they have no idea if this is a prank or if we're about to be nuked Right. And it's them running around the city trying to figure out what's going on. Is this real? Where can they go if it's real? And it's oh man, it's some like like Sunshine Boulevard or something like that. Um and huh. I can ne- I've never heard of it. I could never remember the correct name of it. It drives me crazy. I gotta figure out what this is, yeah. Um, yeah. Let, let, let's see if Google will help here. Um <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. But, but yeah, I, I I had a similar, you know, one of the reasons why I have an affinity for nighttime and the moon. Uh, I mean, beyond, I, you know, somebody were to read my chart, I got moons all the way down uh, <laughs> in my chart, too. But um, mm-hmm. the when I used to have uh, um, like out of body experiences uh, while I was dreaming when I was younger, I don't really have them anymore when I was a kid and a teenager there would always be a very particular moon that uh, was in the sort of sky uh, of the astral, you know, plane that I was traversing. And uh, it always gave me this feeling of, or it still gives me this feeling of, you know, the freedom that comes with that kind of travel being away from your body and a calmness. Yeah. There's something calming mm-hmm. about nighttime and the moon. Yeah. As yeah. well. So that movie is For called sure. that movie is called Miracle Mile and it came out in 88. Oh, Miracle Mile, absolutely. Yes, I totally huh. know that movie. Yes, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. The And it has a pretty wow. messed up ending too. Yeah. <gasps> oh, does. I hate I hate watching sad movies. I'm not going to watch that one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I it's got uh, Anthony Edwards in it, right? Uh, I, I don't the, I already I just closed the, guy the from uh, ER and uh Revenge of the Nerds, Goose from Maybe. Top Gun. I just, I just like the feel of the movie because it's happening in the middle of the night where they're kind of, you know, I mean, it's pre-internet. It's got a cool vibe to it. So yeah, it's, it's that vibe that you don't get. There's, there were a bunch of movies that came out pre-internet that were like that, that, you know, you had that cool vibe, um, of being sort of alone in the night, uh, where, because you couldn't just pick up a cell phone, you know, you couldn't just log into the internet and find out whether, where, where you were or what was going on or whatever. The internet kind of yeah. takes takes that away. Mm-hmm. So now the closest you get is when you when you end up not having an internet signal for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, basically. I like <laughs> that though. I find that comforting. <laughs> I, but that's because I can't navigate my way out of a paper bag. Maybe maybe you guys are different. <laughs> I certainly rely on uh, you know, yeah, satellite maps. I will but I used to like maps themselves. I used to be really into mm. physical maps. 
it's 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 gotcha. it's interesting how much of a consciousness change that the internet really had on our culture. Mm-hmm. It I, really is, isn't it? I was I was reading yeah. an article about how writing. I wasn't reading an article. I was reading a book, which I I hope to talk about on the show called uh, God Star, and it's because. It got sent to me off my Amazon list, and it's been something I've been wanting to read for a while because it has the, it's the basic theory that Saturn was our original sun. This is where the EU people. Right. Yeah. I've heard that before. And he has, I mean, this book is thick and it has, it starts off with the mythologies and stuff like that, but then it goes into the scientific evidence and I'm like, okay, this is what I've wanted to see because I love the idea, but I'm not Mm -hmm. convinced it was ever really a thing. So this is, you know. But he's talking about how things shifted drastically when we started writing versus oral tradition. Because with oral tradition, you had to be very careful to get the story right. And he, he talks about, you know, like native cultures now, if they're mm-hmm. telling a story and the, the storyteller gets saying wrong, people will be like, no, that's wrong. You yeah, know, because they yeah. all know the story. Yeah. And so yeah. it stays more intact. But once you start writing it down, as he po- points out, like, you no longer have to remember it. Yep. Yep. It's true. Yeah. So I remember hearing too that the the Native American tribes they would choose their uh, storytellers very carefully, and they oh, yeah. had to memorize everything note by note, song by song, word by word, in order to be certified by the oh my goodness the chief I think uh, whoever right. was appointing yeah whoever was appointing. Um, and I wanted to say, too, there is a YouTube channel that I think you'd find absolutely fascinating. It's called um, J Dreamers, J-A-Y, and then Dreamer with a Z at the end. Huh. He actually has made episodes about the scientific proof and the folklore behind Saturn being our original sun and what that must have been like or could have been like and the plasma apocalypses, and yeah. there's a whole bunch of stuff that you might find interesting. Well, I've, I've talked to Walt Thornhill before he passed away about it. I just, uh, mm. what I wanted was a book with the hard data that I could actually, mm. you know, look through. Um, yeah. But let's see. Uh, I mean, that's part of the whole Black Sun, uh, you know, yeah. uh, Black Cube, um, Saturn mythos, too. And I, I, mm-hmm. I believe, and I don't know because there are a couple of people that have, you know, come up or sort of been proponents of this theory. Uh, a, is, this is, I believe the Thornhill one is, that's where we were like in a permanent midnight sort of, or twilight. Uh, yeah, in a, in a, like a purple yeah. haze, I think, actually. Purple haze, yep, yep, right. Um, so in the book he says, uh, he's talking about Toth, and uh, the quote was, for this invention writing, will produce forgetfulness in the minds of those who learn to use it because they will not practice their memory. Their trust in writing will discourage the use of their own memory. Uh, You have invented an elixir not of memory but of reminding. And if you offer your pupils the appearance of wisdom, not true wisdom, for they will read many things without instruction and will therefore seem to know many things when they are for the most part ignorant. And I think with the advent of the internet, as useful as it is, we've seen mm-hmm. that jump light years ahead. I agree. And what a what a scathing mm-hmm. prediction that was from Thoth. <laughs> so the, um, and that, well, it comes from an Egyptian myth, or I think, or a Greek myth, whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't actually note that part of it. I was just taking quotes for when I get around to putting a show together on the book assuming I can get through the whole thing. But um, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's a very good point. And it's when you think about the internet, you know, before with books, at least 
if you're going to get a book published prior to recent time periods, you had a publisher, you had people who proofread it, you, you know, um, mm-hmm. right. especially if it was a scientific book and had to go through all kinds of you know, peer review and stuff like that. But now anyone can put anything they want on the internet and anyone can read it. Mm-hmm. So like on, on the one hand, that's great because, you know, you don't have to have the approval of the, uh, whatever the, 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 the keepers of the dogma are. Mm-hmm. But also, you can just talk out your ass, and there's no one to say, hey, that's incorrect. Yeah, that is true. That is true. This is why I, I think it's just so important for everyone to learn critical thinking skills for themselves. Um, otherwise, it's just too easy to get wrapped up in, in propaganda, especially if yeah. someone's emotional. An emotional human being Definitely. is, I, I think, a, a dangerous human being. Well. Yeah. You're very right. In the uh, Invisible Gorilla book, they talk about memory being made partly of what happened, partly your ex- your interpretation of what happened, uh, but also being heavily affected by your emotional state. Yes. At the time, so you know it's there's multiple com- you know things that form a memory, and then that memory is never the same twice because it's it's. Mm-hmm being recreated every time you access it. Right, right. And so this is why I I think that no person is actually the same person from moment to moment because of the changes in perception and emotion and hormones and memory. So I, I try my best to approach everyone as a brand new person every single time I interact with them. Mm. It, it just seems logical to me. And and the question too is how much are we just our memories and mm-hmm. stuff like that? Um, there there was a there was a great sci-fi show that they canceled in after a cliffhanger uh, called uh, oh what was it was it Dark Matter? Yeah, that sounds yeah. familiar to me. It Dark was Matter. it was uh, on Sci-Fi Channel, and yep. it was about these these criminals who had their minds wiped, and then they woke up and they didn't know who they were. And so they've kind of, you know, they're trying to just survive and they realize, oh, we were criminals. What the hell did we do? And they turn out to be very different people without the trauma and stuff that caused them to be criminals. Mm -hmm. And it's like, huh. So really, you know, and I've seen trauma. I mean, I think we all have seen the effects trauma can have on somebody. Um, Yeah. You know, like, what is that? What would that person be like if they didn't have that trauma? Um, Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you grow from it and other times it just scars you. Yeah, and this was actually a a large part of the paranormal counseling that I did for several years for people. It was in helping them come to terms a lot of the time with their past trauma. Mostly it was childhood Mm -hmm. trauma, neglect, abuse. And um, unfortunately, some people just they don't make that leap through and they need more help. And and that's that's where there are brand new therapies coming out. Um, like quantum light wave patches that stimulate the body's own uh, stem cells. And what that does is helps the brain to reverse some of that trauma. And this new therapy, it's only been out since about 2010 to the public. And I'm very grateful and lucky to be a part of that um, selling and recommending. And now we have this therapy, we can reverse that trauma for people so that they can begin to adopt more mindfulness. And then that leads to them being able to develop actual free will moment to moment. And so by following these steps, it is my theory then that they can change not only their, their future, but also their past. 
Or at least, yeah. Um, so explain what that is a little bit, that therapy. Um, the talk therapy that I was discussing, no, the, or are you talking about the patches? Yeah, the patches. Oh, okay. Ah, yes. I'm sorry. They're called uh, LifeWave patches, and I use the X39 model for myself, and my husband uses them as well. And then we we do help occasionally hook people up with. What? what um, how do they work? Who, okay. Yes, I'm sorry. They <laughs> they reflect your body's own uh, infrared light. And then this helps to stimulate copper peptide within your body. And then that releases your body's stem cells. It triggers a release in latent stem cells. Okay. See, I just want to go research all this stuff now. Like I, whenever I hear stuff yeah. like that, it, it kind of raises a flag where I'm like, I need to know more about this before I can uh, process it, you know? Oh, I totally understand. And it is a newer therapy. So I am not offended in the least. <laughs> I can say, though, it, it really does work, or at least it works for me. Right. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe, maybe I'm making it all up. I don't, I don't necessarily know. All I know is that it really does work. So when I first started these earlier this year, I was having immense pain in my knee. I had twisted my knee, and it was bruised and swollen. It was just it was a nasty time. Mm. But I, I put a patch on each side of my kneecap. The pain was completely gone within two hours. So Saxon, the last time he was on, was talking about, oh, I can't remember what it was, but something else. Uh, it wasn't quite like that, but it was something that mm -hmm. stimulated the muscles uh, in in a way that, that would like relax muscles. And I can't that remember. Probably, that was probably just like low-frequency I think they were magnets. Were they, they magnets? Yeah. I, I wonder if it's a similar thing that Bruce Lee had been doing. And I only say that because Saxon is very martial and, arts um, yeah. in an expert level, you know, uh, martial arts and <laughs> uh, in, in the mystical side of martial arts too. Uh, person. Gotcha. Uh, and I wonder if that's what he was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Huh, and I can't remember if he talked about that during the show or he was just telling me about that off air. Um, yeah. but yeah, it, it, it sounds like something that would be nonsense, but he's like, no, it totally worked. He's like, yeah, yeah. he's like, I put I it, really I put it on my shoulder and he's like, mm -hmm. the next thing I knew, I was like, oh, I, I can move my shoulder and I couldn't before. Yeah. I think too, that this is the way of medicine for the future. I think at least in the higher timelines, timelines, from what I understand, we're moving more towards vibrational and quantum and light medicines instead. So I believe in it. <laughs> I, I I can't say I believe in it or not. I just don't like the terminology mm -hmm. because it gets overused so much. Mm, which terminology? Uh, all of that. Okay, fair <laughs> Cause, enough. Because it right. gets it gets used in the new age stuff that is nonsense mm -hmm. very easily. Mm -hmm. Like people will throw quantum out a lot without really knowing anything about what quantum even means. Ah, mm -hmm. uh, gotcha. Maybe I could find another way to describe these things then. I don't know. But you know, you, you I mean, I think that I, I think that sometimes when people use the word quantum, what they're really talking about is subtle energies. Yeah, um, I think um, so too. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and that because and that it you know it might very well be that what we know as quantum you know the quantum particles that have you know been discovered as part of particle theory are in fact sort of these upper level subtle particles as you start you know physical matter starts to uh you know shift into what is not physical but still exists that we can't and that's measure. what i that's what i yeah. think and that's that's how i've 
been uh, taught to use it originally. Yeah, and, sure. and then that's also what I have come to actually believe for myself. Mm. So that's how I'm using it. But mm-hmm. I totally understand the point that's being made that it is overused and some of it uh, very wrongly. <laughs> yes. Uh, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right. Contact info and a recommendation. Contact info can all be found at wheredotheroadgo.com. Um, there's uh, email links and links to all our social media, Facebook page, Facebook group, uh, Discord, what used to be Twitter, um, everything. Emails, uh, especially if you have a short story you want to uh, share with us for a listener story show, is stories at wheredotheroadgo.com. But again, all that stuff can be found on the site. So check there for all of that. Uh, as for a recommendation, um, I'm digging back into the past a little bit. I didn't have anything come right to mind this week, but uh, I had gone through an old folder of podcasts I had downloaded and realized there's a few that haven't existed in a while. And I was like, well, you know, some of these are were or were really good, and I just kind of forgot about them. There was one called Small Town Horror. And that, yeah, that one was interesting. I just very, very much enjoyed that one. Um, I assume it's still available. It, I think, ended in like 2017 or something like that. Ah, yes. And a quick uh, Google search shows me that, yes, you can find the episodes. Uh, John Grills is the guy who did them. And it's just called Small Town Horror. And here it just says Ryan Jennings ran from the horrors of Creighton 18 years ago. Now he's coming back to face his greatest fears and search for answers. If I remember right, it's not all that paranormal, um, but it was a cool, uh, you know, sort of horror podcast. So that's my recommendation, Small Town Horror. Yes, all right. And also, I recommend if you're into heavy music, check out my music show, The Last Exit for the Lost, and that's at www.thelastexit.org, and there's more stuff there than you'll ever be able to get through, and there's a new show every single week. All right. Back to where did the road go? I am here with Tilly Treadwell and Christopher Ernst, and uh, we were talking about the way uh, terminologies and stuff and in, in some of this stuff gets overused or used wrongly. The one I'm seeing used a lot now that I think there's something very much to is orgone energy. I think when you look at Wilhelm Reich's work, he was onto something. But now you're yeah. seeing people sell all kinds of orgone things that are just nonsense. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, okay, you've just taken a term that you know people are vaguely familiar with that is not even completely proven because obviously Reich's research was uh, stopped and literally destroyed uh, oh. at the time. Are you familiar with Wilhelm Reich? Well, I was actually about to say that I, I have to bow out on, on this portion of the conversation because I have zero clue about any of this. I've seen Orgone this and that products on my like, Amazon, but I have yeah. no idea because I'm so swamped all the time now. I well, haven't had time to sit and study. Oh, no, totally. I mean, there's, there is, there's, a, it's, you could, a lifetime of, you know, research into the weird yeah. history. Yeah. Uh, So so Wilhelm Reich was a, uh, what was he, a psychologist? I think he was. Yeah. I mean, he was, yeah, yeah. He was, um, uh, uh, contemporary with Einstein. Yeah. He was a medicine and, uh, like, I mean, he did medicine, but he also did psychology. Uh, and yeah, he was, um, he, he was right. I think he was like right after, he was the wave right after, uh, Freud, but he was part of that whole, yeah. 
Interesting. And, and he was really into sex and like the orgasm. Um, I think oh. he wrote a book about the orgasm. So he was right. He's basically dealing with orgasmic, you know, with with Kundalini, uh, you know, with energy. that energy. Yeah. 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 A subtle gotcha. energy that is generated by sexual energy that uh, when you're in the 1950s is frowned upon even talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he created things like cloud busters that for, they were called cloud busters, but they'd actually create rain um, yeah. or supposedly yeah. he could also draw in UFOs, but not like yeah. physical spaceships, but just weird, uh, almost organic like creatures that would appear in the sky. Yeah. Um, really? And, and he would, he was building uh, these like modified, I think they were like modifications on Faraday cages but basically they these things that he ended up calling orgone accumulators and they were you know supposedly able to uh like raise your energy levels and yeah transfer en- energy this you know uh uh energy i mean this to me like sort of knowing the history from the other side this sounds like somebody who has discovered you know tantra but doesn't really know what it is you yes. know what it is yeah oh okay <laughs> <Yeah>. oh boy <laughs> and, and yeah. then he uh he got what what was the they arrested the fda arrested him for shipping oh. an orgone accumulator across state lines mm-hmm. or something which he mm-hmm. was was not this supposed isn't like to, the 40s or 50s yeah, I think. yeah. that's oh supposed goodness. to do they arrested him threw him in prison he developed uh pneumonia or something and died in prison and then they burned Aww. all his books and all his research. Yeah. So some of it survived because uh, uh, associates and family members like literally put it in a vault for 50 years saying the world is not ready for this. Uh, we're going to lock wow. this away for 50 years. And hopefully by then culture will have woken up enough mm-hmm. that this can be looked at more seriously. Yeah. The problem is I'm going to have to look look into that. That's fascinating. I yeah. have never heard of Oh, this it's totally before. fascinating. Yeah, if you have wow. time, it's yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there's some like you can mm-hmm. find some, you know, videos uh on him on YouTube or oh, yeah. you know, some some books or it's all over the place, yeah. And uh one of the things that uh Peter Robbins has has a picture of is that at Rendlesham Forest during the time they had the UFO encounter uh, oh, yeah. there was actually a cloud buster in the, on the U S base there. Mm-hmm. Really? So the That's military was looking at Reich's research as, as, as well as lots of other stuff, you know, that potentially had, had benefits to them. Yeah. But yeah, he has a picture well, of the cloud buster. Thank you for teaching me something new. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, so, so he has a picture of the cloud buster, which is just, you know, I mean, if you ask the military, they'd say, oh, that was all nonsense. But yeah. Why do you have a cloud buster then? You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't trust the government. Well, yeah, you you shouldn't. They they lie to you most mm-hmm. more often. They lie, they lie even when they don't have to lie. That's the problem. Like anything's an opportunity for propaganda. So it's like we didn't do anything right. wrong, but how can we twist this to make it even better? Yeah, never let a good crisis or a good situation go to waste. Yeah, I think exactly. is what they say. Um, Man. But yeah, so but the thing with Reich's stuff is now suddenly in the last five years or so, I've been seeing all this orgone stuff pop up that's based mm-hmm. on nothing, but they like using the term because the term is very in in the yeah. new age crowd now. Yeah. Right. Like, well, and interestingly, I just I just realized that I can <laughs> flip off of the um, the Skype call and it'll still stay on, which is really awesome. <laughs> and I pulled up I pulled up Google. And I just put in, quote, Oregon Cloudbuster, 
Mm-hmm. Before anything else, what popped up was a bunch of colorful-looking things for sale on eBay and Etsy. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting to me. Yeah. There's it, oh, th- this is cool. I think uh, <laughs> there's a room slash cloudbuster with dual lights for one hundred and fifty-five dollars on Etsy. It's yeah. this little thing sitting on a table. I wonder how yeah. well that works. Yeah, I mean, there are, a lot of them are made like. Yeah, it, it's just some person making them. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. And if they have any, any, if they even work, I mean, because you got to right. consider there's also the placebo effect on some of this stuff, right? We, which is, you yeah. know, a frustrating thing for scientists who are, you know, trying to figure out, well, does this medication work? Well, wait, mm-hmm. the people who didn't have the medication sometimes get better results than the people who did. What the hell's going on? Yeah, yeah. I think that life and results are a lot more malleable in many cases than people may realize. Oh, I do think that mind over matter is is huge here. Oh, it absolutely even is. Even as, as physical as a place this is. And that's yeah. the thing. I mean, there's there's obviously a consensus reality. Mm, that's what I think. And, you know, if we're all living in the same consensus reality, I, I don't know. I mean... There is uh, one one of uh, the the John Dies at the End books uh, talks about, like, it it has this cult in it who believe that only certain people are actual, or actually, they're in a simulation, and only certain people are actually players, and the rest are NPCs, and it's perfectly fine to kill the NPCs Mm -mm. because they're NPCs, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and that when you get into simulation theory, that, that just makes everything that much weirder. But I think we're we're mm-hmm. we're not separate from our environment, and when you no, look at the, when I don't you, think so. When you look at the paranormal, like that's just another part of our environment that we just don't quite have a mm-hmm. grasp of. But other cultures seem to have a grasp of, like older cultures seem to have a grasp of. Hmm. I agree. Uh, <laughs> on my show coming up the next few weeks, I get into that actually with an episode specifically about contemporary haunted houses and why they're haunted potentially from a quantum standpoint or a scientific standpoint, vibrational standpoint, and how they're haunted. So uh, beings or people being in air vents or behind the curtains or in the closet, stuff like that. And then in the next episode, I'm going into house fairies and brownies and whatnot and I just think that there's there's a lot of reality that the human brain filters out, which oh, yes. I think is beautiful yeah. in its own way. Because so for me, being an energetic empath and being psychic, uh, I get a lot of visitation from other beings and I see stuff that my husband doesn't typically see, although sometimes he does. And sometimes I just think about how nice it must be to just have the typical human experience where this stuff is thoroughly separated out from the daily experience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's boring. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. It sounds kind of peaceful to me sometimes. <laughs> Can I ask what, what sort of stuff is it uh, and what uh, senses? Like, is it smells, uh, sounds, and <laughs> sight? Or yeah, sometimes it's a yeah. it's a mixture of all three. Sometimes it's just one or two things. Every experience has been unique, but I've had them ever since I can um, remember. Oh, and even talking about the moon earlier on, I had wanted to say, but I 
completely forgot. When I was a baby in the baby little travel baby carrier, you know what I mean? That you can put into the car seat and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I was that young and I got a visitation from uh, a person or a being that showed up as a female moon figure and took me out of my little body and was holding me. And she was being very sweet and loving and kind. And she was asking me for uh, wishes. What, what, what blessings and wishes uh, would I like? From her for this lifetime for this incarnation and I was just a, a tiny little baby at the time and um, I remember I started to cry because I was afraid because she was so much bigger than me mm. and she put me back into my body but uh, I have those memories from being such a, a tiny little thing in this lifetime that have stuck with me mm. and I've had visitations like that all of my my lifetime so that visitation, I was out of my body physically. Yeah. I, I was not in the room anymore with my parents and my family. I was only there with this moon who was holding me and looking down upon me. And she had covered me in a beautiful, lovely, comforting blanket. So I felt that. And she wasn't speaking physically, but she was within my head, quote yeah, unquote, yeah, yeah. speaking to me. And it was a full audio experience. So that's that's one example. I hope that helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So it's it, you. You've been so it is uh, uh, entities uh, that that you that have been visiting you. Uh, not it's not uh, lights or no. music. Or okay, yeah. Well, you've curious. heard just you've because there, heard music. there are different kinds of experiences that people had, yeah. and I'm always curious to see some of the patterns that arise uh, in them. And it seems to be like there's, you know, there are people that see uh, lights and hear music mm -hmm. and smell mm -hmm. smells, and there are some people that have actual, uh, you know, uh, what seems like a persona of some sort, like you have uh, mm -hmm. that that visits them. Yeah. Yeah, and you may want to check it out uh, on my YouTube channel. I just posted the other day an interview that I did with my own husband, who <laughs> he caught my paranormal activity. So he now mm -hmm. has these experiences as well, although typically not as intense right, or as frequent right. as I do. But we call them paranormal ants. You want you want ants? This is how you get ants. <laughs> you marry someone like me. <laughs> Well, it's the thing is energy transfer. I mean, we transfer energy mm -hmm. to everyone we interact with. So, the yes. closer you are to someone, the more energy you're, you're you're exchanging. I mean, we've talked about this with um, sleep paralysis. There are people who did oh, not yeah. have sleep paralysis, and then they right. end up getting involved with someone who does have sleep paralysis. And the next thing you know, they have it. And even after the relationship ends, they still uh -huh. have it. Um, and this this is exactly what my paranormal counseling was about, was teaching people how to find healthy mates and healthy people to be around and to choose what type of paranormal ants that they bring home very, very carefully. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. there, there are some situations where people I've seen, they would get involved with other people who are on like very dense, lower vibrations. They would bring home nasty paranormal activity. And then because they had given the person permission in the past to be within their body, their space and all of that, 
uh, that's giving secondary permission to whatever that activity is. And a lot of the time that activity does not like to let go. And it takes a complete uprooting of that person's life to get it to stop. They have to completely change their vibration, their location, usually everything. Um, and Kundalini does the same thing. I mean, everyone I've, I've been involved with picked up my Kundalini if they didn't already Mm -hmm. have some of their own. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was funny. I, I, again, at Best Buy, I worked with this girl who was showing all the signs of having, you know, some minor level of Kundalini stuff going on. And she had talked to me about it, not because she knew what it was, but just happened to mention that this weird stuff was happening. And I was like, oh, this sounds like Kundalini. And I sent her an article I had written about it, and it freaked her out because she, she was a very normal person. And she was like, yeah. what, what is this? How do I cure it? Whatever. And then one day it just stopped. And I went, why did it stop? And then she, you know, like, I didn't say anything to her. She's like, yeah, it just, it all stopped. And then I realized she had broken up with her boyfriend. Ah, uh, mm. yeah. And then I yeah. started paying more attention to him, and I'm like, oh, it was coming from you. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a very common story for better or for worse. Yeah. Like my, my hubby, he's caught some, some frustrating minor things like his cell phone manifested underneath of the mattress protector, which was underneath of the fitted sheet when we couldn't find it the one day <laughs> stuff like that. Or he, yeah. he saw a glimmer. He saw a glimmer being in the door frame the one day and he saw a house fairy one day at one of his clients houses Stuff like that. And he's picked up a few uh, psychic abilities here and there that he's working on strengthening. So the paranormal ants can be really awesome or they can probably kill you, you know, at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it's, and I don't think most people really think, and and your average person probably doesn't have enough active energy that Mm -hmm. it does a whole lot. You know, I agree. Um. Your, your, your normal person who doesn't believe in any of this stuff has never had an experience, probably doesn't have enough energy to severely affect someone they're with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I've, I've noticed too, in my paranormal investigation years and my paranormal counseling years that people who have had severe childhood abuse and neglect or exposure to a lot of drug use or abuse and alcoholism They seem to, in my experience, have unfortunately a just a black hole of an energetic field that consistently brings forth the worst and the most negative unless they heal all of those traumas. Because it all seems to go hand in hand to me, like the sleep paralysis and the negative shadow being encounters and then all the abuse, the neglect just tons and tons of trauma, it really just seems to amp it up. So whether or not that person has enough energy, quote unquote, it's just the quality of that um, person's auric field seems to be enough in some cases to bring that forward, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I also also think we project a lot of energy out there for either things to use or for our unconscious to manifest. And if our unconscious is dealing with stressful things, it's going to manifest as scary things until we until we confront it and deal with it. I agree with you entirely from a less paranormal uh, view. That's the other half of it. Um, a lot of people think that, oh, I'm seeing this thing, so it absolutely has to be something paranormal. No, I've had several cases where the person actually needed acute um, psychiatric or psychological care. Sure, sure. 
but they, I, I don't okay. think they're they're completely separate either. Um, I also do agree with that. Yes, there, there there is a there is a blending of all this. I was like the paranormal is again, like I was saying before, that we're not apart from the, from the world. Mm-hmm. The paranormal mm-hmm. isn't something separate from us. It's something that's integrated into us, but it's it's been sort of uh, we've been kind of taught to ignore it. Yeah, you know our culture yeah, has. Our culture says, nope, you know, that's not a thing. So you got to stop, got to stop talking to your imaginary friend. And maybe it is their imagination, but we don't know mm-hmm. what that kid's seeing. And we, most of us don't really remember if we were actually dealing with something or not, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. And funny enough, I, I made a, an episode recently about tulpas and <laughs> imagination and yeah. whatnot. You, you may want to go check that out because I've dealt with cases where the person it seems to have started off as a tulpa or an imaginary friend, and then it did seem absolutely to snowball into something that was negatively sentient, and mm-hmm. or there was another type of non-human, uh, less physical being or person who stepped into that role yeah. and then escalated it from there. And these yeah. things all do flow together. And then if you've got, again, like the trauma and the alcoholism or abuse and neglect in childhood, then you have, unfortunately, typically a person or a child who dissociates and has weaker or no um, auric boundaries, and they're physically weakened from all of the stress, and it's just the perfect storm, really. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is, I, I would agree. Um, in, in the other book I'm working on, I mean, one of the things I try to do is, is kind of present all these different ways of looking at this, these different phenomena, and ghosts in particular, there's so many <laughs> possibilities of what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like, and they may all look similar because they all look like, well, you're, it's, it's a ghost, but mm-hmm. there could be, you know, 10 different explanations for the same phenomena. <laughs> I, I'm working on a Chris, uh, an enchanted Christmas tree episode right now. And that's one of the main points that I'm going to be making with some of the footage I've collected from people swearing that it's a ghost coming out of the Christmas tree. Really? Uh-huh. So is this, explain this. Um, okay. Could you please ask me a more direct question? <laughs> what What is the enchanted Christmas tree? Okay. So for about as long as humanity has existed in the pine forested areas, there have been legends about pine trees and mm. how some peoples regard them as being magical or enchanted or as being okay. homes okay. for fairies and gnomes yep. and ancestors, spirits and whatnot. But here in the modern day, people are recording what seems to be paranormal activity or beings in and around these Christmas trees, or they have all oh, these modern day okay. stories. But okay. every single time I am um, running into that, every single video, says it's a ghost right uh, okay yeah. mm-hmm. yep well sure because what else would it be right yeah. right <laughs> i mean and, and the answer is oh, it could be a whole lot of things yeah well i absolutely. mean if, and that might also be primarily because it's western culture if you this were in you know uh, uh muslim even pop culture it would be jinn because yeah. that's very much you know that is in the same way that ghosts are sort of culturally you know, ghosts or angels, what, you know, depending mm-hmm. on, 
it's the <laughs> same the same way it would be gin and not ghosts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much. So, yeah, I just I plan on discussing that type of thing too, yeah. and how maybe it would be more accurate to try just to be um, descriptive instead of prescriptive. Yes, that's, that's that's a good way of putting it. Right, and that goes like back that? to <laughs> what we were talking about with writing things down. As I think, uh, uh, yeah. and about you know words like you know, whatever quantum or, uh, things like that is that, you know, these are again, these sort of imperfect words. And, uh, you know, when you are going, even we're talking, going from, you know, oral traditions to, uh, the written word, there maybe is lost something that, you know, I think, uh, people talk a lot about in terms of, you know, symbolism and sigils, mm-hmm. which is the idea of having there be kind of an intuitive uh, truth or definition to a concept that isn't as limited as a single word makes it, where something can contain contradictions and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, things that, you know, don't fit together, but it still is a cohesive singular uh, gesture um, or thought or idea uh, and that it's more of, uh, and again, the word intuition and intuitive <laughs> has become, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, another one of those words that's been co-opted and kind of, you know, um, uh, used for uh, nefarious purposes. But yeah, it's, you know, I think that that's, that that's part of what's going on in these, in these situations. I agree. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but I work with Tim Swartz pretty closely as well as with Zontar Press now. And I'm an author on that team. And Mm -hmm. something that I really love about that whole team is that they're very careful about the use of language and how things are put out into the books and into the world. And I, I just love that this seems to be more of a cultural shift coming down the pipe. Mm. Um, and I, I really hope that it, it continues, especially listening to you, the way that you're talking. I can't wait to read your book. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are out of time. So, t- uh, Tilly, tell people oh. where they can find you. Absolutely. Anyone can email me at the weird walk home at gmail.com. My YouTube channel is the weird walk home. Oh, also, um, friends, I, I am looking for some wonderful, uh, generous Christmas elves this season because my team and I are working really hard not only to expand the show, but um, we've retained an artist and we're working on original custom artwork for uh, really unique merchandise that mm. I and we are designing, as well as a custom paranormal themed original gourmet treat e-shop where I hand blend gourmet dessert teas myself in small batches. And um, we would like to open up a, a whole e-shop online for people to enjoy. Everything would be paranormal themed. And um, I think that it would be a lot of fun. I'm putting together subscription box ideas and seasonal gift box ideas, holiday gift boxes. There's a lot going on. So if anyone would like to support us, that would help us so very much. And if that's not on the menu for this holiday season, that's okay. I would love to just have some new friends on the channel help spread the word because I think that the future is full of possibilities and I think it's magical. 
and I'd like to share it with you if you'd have me. And Chris, where can people find you? Uh, brightrectangle.com, or if I'm not swamped with work, probably here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, your, and, and your two movies, A Hill in the Hole and uh Two movies, Corpse? Hill in the Hole is still on Troma now, uh, and uh, Hill in the Hole and Corpse are both on Amazon Prime, and at some point, uh, Magicians Long to See You, which is the movie about uh, where the road go, will be somewhere. Yes. Well. We will tell you as soon as we know. all right thanks both of you thank you thank you i want to take a moment here to give a shout out to all of my patreons because without you this show would not be possible and a special shout out to those of you pledging ten dollars or more greg ross illuminati allison cook super inframan stephen st george 36 dingo tim andrew nichols matthew sproul midnight review presents christine a blue second-gen MR2 drifting around a Japanese mountain. Patricia Gaiaquinta, Alex Whitcomb, American Rambler, Andrew Maines, Andrew Malone, Ann Witowski, Barbara Fisher, Beverly Williamson, Big Boy Lemina, Bright Rectangle, Charles Davis, Charles in Florida, Land of the Crazy and Communicable, CJ, Greg Parmenter, Diane B, MTK, Eric Citron, Eric Todd, History and Coffee, Jay, Jay Otto Bullet, Jack Huntington, James Lindsay, Jim and Sophie, John Mattingly, John Bracken, Carla Mahoney, Kevin, Kevin Shrek, Cool Kitty, Kristen L., Laser Printer Jam, Lauren McLean, Linda, Linz Jackson K., MJ Armstrong, Mark Brady, Mr. Weird, Oli Andre Olar, Paul Jeffries, Perry Peters, Philosopher of Mirrors, Riker and Stark, Ron Dupre, Sam Sharon, Schmooples, Devourer of Mortal Souls. Stacy Sherwood, Stevie Norman, Strange Stories with the Seeker and Skeptic Podcast, Tactical Therapist, Taylor Bell, Thunderboy, Tyler Glimstead, Varosh K, Vincent Trewell, Will Gebhardt, Will Powell, Ren Collier, Annabelle Smith, Caroline Walker, TDT Skunkworks, and Craig Sagastumi. Thank you all so very much. There's a Patreon segment uh, to go along with this show that will be out in a few days for patrons. If you want to become a patron, it's only $3, and it gets you a lot of extra content all month long. Also, Chris and I were on Tilly's show, which on YouTube you can find at The Weird Walk Home, as she said during the show. Um, It's a two-part thing that we talk about that she labeled... A 14 season Christmas figures in 14 form. It is not a Christmas show, although we do talk about the idea of Santa Claus as a tulpa. So if you want to check that out, you know, go subscribe to her YouTube page, The Weird Walk Home. All right. I want to uh, welcome a bunch of new Patreons this week. Todd B., Dan Lauren Hughes, Jad, John W. Luther, Leslie Zier, and Maureen Batita. Thank you all for joining up. And uh, I hope you enjoy the extra content. To take you out, we're going to hear from a band local to this area. Big shock, right? Uh, (laughs) These are the bands I have permission to use stuff from usually. Um, This is a band called Darwin. And uh, they are from the central New York general area. They came to play my studio back in 2022. I finally got around to editing that. So if you go to thelastexit.org and look on our YouTube for the uh, performances, you can watch the performance. It's over an hour long. They're a very talented band that makes a lot of different styles together. So they're kind of doomy. They're kind of uh, 
rock band. There's some blues influences. There's all kinds of stuff floating through this. It's just very, very good and some very talented people. And this is a song that is called Night of Swords. And you can buy this track on Bandcamp if you like it. They are under Darwin the Band. All right, so here you go, Night of Swords from Darwin. See you next time.
have been listening to Where Did the Road Go? This show is made possible in part from our Patreons, and we thank you and everyone listening for helping us continue this exploration of the strange. You can always find everything Where Did the Road Go related at www.wheredidtheroadgo.com. And thank you so much for your support.